Welcome to Living Off Course. Join us if you're fascinated by people who break free of societal norms to live life on their own terms. I'm Zita Moran, and with my co-host, Janie Lim, we're exploring what it takes to live a life that's authentically yours. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Living Off Course. We interview Boom Shika, who's a YouTuber and author who focuses mostly on all things INFJ, like introversion, being a highly sensitive person, and other fascinating self-awareness topics. On today's show, we dive into topics like people-pleasing and how it can restrict you, resistance to following your dreams, getting clear on your priorities, following your intuition, and so much more. You don't want to miss this wisdom-packed episode. What I love about you is that you you do stuff for you um, rather than, which feels like a very um, pure way rather than, okay, I probably should do this, which is coming from fear. I feel like you have quite um, pure motivations and that you're like, I do this for me. Everything that you do, it's like, I'm doing it because I want to. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> kind of a bit of ramble but um no I mean I used to be like that for the longest time though I I was a people pleaser I think people pleasing is one of those things not only as female we do but um my culture it propagates that being a people pleaser like uh, most cultures anyways I guess but for females specifically I think it's like so predominant being a good girl oh my god I spent all of my life like that oh now that I remember that little girl doing that I was like no more like that's it I've done enough of that and it did not result in any happiness, nor did it please the people around me because they always had other things. They were like, all right, yeah, cool, you did that, but whatever, like, can you do this as well? So I'm like, if they're not going to be happy anyways, and I'm not happy either, then what is going on here? Why am I working for this? You know, why am I even doing this? Because they're still wanting more from me, which is not going to please me. And I am extremely unhappy. Feels like such a loss, loss situation, right? On the whole, on both sides. Mm. so at least in, in this situation I'm happy if no one else is that's fine at least I can be happy in that situation so <laughs> that's what I tell my mom all the time I'm like uh, she's like oh if you could just you know do things for me although she's very supportive in a lot of ways but sometimes she's like you know if you could just do sometimes do things for your parents or things like that and like well if I did this would you be completely excited about it and happy about it and never complain about anything again ever and she's like, well, of course not. So then, you know what? <laughs> Come on. Can you um, paint a picture of a time when you were that shika? Because yes. we met you like, what, three or four years ago in Chiang Mai. Yes. And you were already uh, broken free, basically, from from that mentality. Or it's, it's a, a work in progress. Yeah, definitely work in progress. But um, when I was younger, uh, definitely I was that person, that little kid. I would say until definitely in my 20s as well. So I would say... When I met you, I was kind of in the beginning processes of it. I, I wasn't completely out of the shell either. I wasn't completely off of it. Now I can say for sure that I am, I would say 95, 90% there for sure. There are some things sometimes I will do because I'm like, you know, I really, I don't want to be the complete of the person who's selfish and does things only for herself. I do sometimes want to be like, all right, let's just do this for my mother because she really wants it or things like that. But I think that's a necessary part of being a social being. But um, when I was younger, um let me give an example so I was in high school at this time I was 15 years old and I loved to dance I always loved to dance from when I was a really I was young I always loved to move but because I was shy and afraid and so so afraid of rejection and um people judging me 
I would never move in public. Like even just moving my body was such a big thing for me. It was terrible. I am grateful I'm not in that space anymore. But we were in, uh, we were at an event, me and my high school friends, and we were doing an Arabic dance. And in Arabic dances, what the women do is that, because I lived in the Middle East at the time. So we did a lot of Arabic dances. And so what the Arabic dances the women do is that they kind of flip their hair over down and then they shake their hair. And like, they just kind of go crazy and they just shake it and shake it, shake it, and like just kind of go berserk. Like it's, it's the way they kind of let go of some of that angst I have, they have, you know? And I really wanted to do it because I was like, wow, that sounds fun. And, you know, just to like be free, it felt like the best thing in the world to do. And I could not, I could not, like I, I couldn't move. I couldn't like, I put my head down and then everyone else started laughing or something like that. They weren't laughing at me particularly, but for me, like in my head, I was like, uh, they're doing, they're laughing at me. And then someone else was like, oh, we're going to do something else. And so in my people pleasing mode, I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, no, let's do something else. Let's do whatever else you guys want. Even though I wanted them to keep on going with the, with the song. If it was just me right now, I wouldn't even have cared. I would have just danced and I'd be like, all right, cool. You guys do whatever I want, whatever you want. I'm going to shake my head right now because that's what I feel like doing, you know? And of course, I was only 15 at the time. Like That's like, oh my God, so long ago, 21 years ago. So, oh my God, so much has changed since then. Um, but that was just one example, not a very good one either, but it was just one example of things that I always did. <laughs> I always did people-pleasing things, um, especially in relationships, like partner relationships, like love relationships, always, always, always. I would do whatever the guy wanted, no matter what I really wanted, so... Wow. And then also, uh, you like uh, you were in corporate. You had like you were basically a normie, as we call them. Um, yes, yeah. Just uh, uh, so, give us an idea of what was the breaking point in that. What, what made you actually just drop everything and decide to move to Thailand? Essentially, that's like the biggest break breaking point you can have, right? Yeah, yeah. I tell the story as if it was like one point and really maybe it was just one point like where I was like, this is enough and I need to get over it. But I think I was kind of building up to it over a long period of time because I was kind of planning for it since I got rejected from med school the third time over. And I was like, all right, obviously med school doesn't want me. I had no plan B. I'd always wanted to, or thought I would go to med school and become a doctor because my parents had always told me that was my final destination. Um, and so since then, I'd, I've been doing a lot of coaching. I read a lot. I always try to figure out what, what I should be doing with my life. Like, why am I here? What's the point, et cetera. But then I never found the answer until December 2017. I can't remember the time. Anyways, it was, I went to Thailand with one of my exes and we had an amazing time and we sat around and we had, a, it was such a beautiful time. And for the first time, I actually sat down and journaled a lot. I just sat and thought, where am I in my life? What am I doing? And I noticed a lot of people around me who were living. And there were a lot of, there are, I was in Koh Phangan in Thailand. And there are a lot of expats there who live long term. And I would look at them and they would, I would have conversations with them because I wanted to learn what they were doing in order to perpetuate or to propagate such a life and a lifestyle. How are they able to fund it, basically, was my first question, which is most people's question. How is it possible financially to do it? The number of people ask me, that's the first question they ask me as well. And so, you know, I asked them a lot of questions. And it, it came up over and over again that a lot of these people were actually much, they weren't much smarter than me, nor did they have a lot of funds back home or more money than me. They didn't have more skills than me. They were actually, in a lot of cases, much worse off than me, but they were living this life. And so when I got back home, I decided, and that was January 2016. 
that's when I decided I was like, that I need to make something happen because if people who are much lower in the scale than me can do it in a lot of different ways, then for sure I can do it. I mean, come on, like I'm, I can figure it out. And then I tell this story. So that's where I usually start. This is the point where I usually tell the story is that I read a book by Stephen Pressfield, The War of Art, my favorite book in the world, the book that I recommend the most to people. If anyone asks me what book I should, they should read, this is the first book I tell them to read. And in that, he talks a lot about resistance, if you guys have read it. And one of the things he says that it is important for the evolution of your soul to beat resistance. And every single time you feel resistance, it is your soul telling you that it's a necessary step to take in your evolution path. I mean, I'm obviously paraphrasing, but that's basically the essence of the, the sentence. And I, it was as if like it literally hit like that right spot in my mind and my heart and the frequency. And it just kind of awakened me. It was as if like it was like instant awakening not like samadhi, but in that moment, I felt like, whoa, like angel singing. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there and thinking, all right, obviously the next step in my, in the evolution of my spiritual growth has to be me quitting my job and starting my own thing. So I can be financial free, location independent, the way I wanted to be, that the way I aspire to be and do my own thing. I never even had the conversation in my head about moving to a different country. I wanted to do it in Toronto until I realized it was too expensive in Toronto to do that yet. I mean, then I went the next day. So I read the book on a Saturday, Sunday, thought through it, wrote a lot, journal, cried, hated myself, you know, punched myself in the face a billion times. I was like, what am I doing? I can't believe I haven't read a lot of that. And then the next morning I woke up after not sleeping all night long and then told my boss I had an important conversation with her that I wanted to have with her. She wasn't in the office. And I went to an office that was free and I just sat there and I cried and I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? Is this, is this the right move? I don't know. I don't want to have a backup plan, but I need to do it. 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 I literally, basically like psyched myself up. She didn't, she couldn't come to the office all day long, which worked out actually perfectly because if I had to do it face to face, I think it would have been really difficult. I loved my boss. She was one of those smart, brilliant women that I, wanted, I aspired to be like. And so she said, just tell me on email. I was like, I am quitting. She's like, all right, pack your stuff and leave. Uh, because they had this policy. They're, they're very careful about people stealing stuff from them. And so like, pack your stuff and leave and they'll give you two weeks of pay. And then uh, even though you're not working. So I packed my stuff, said goodbye to a couple of people. Couldn't say goodbye to everyone because they walked me out. Because that's how they do it in tech companies. Um, I think it's propriety information or something. And obviously I signed a, a contract with them saying I can't tell anyone what they're doing. And that's it. And that was it. I'm like, oh, shoot. So I walked back home. And it was still like, I don't know, 11, p 11 a.m. or something. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I have the whole day ahead of me. What am I supposed to do? Um, and I saw that's when I started kind of thinking about different ideas that I wanted to work with. This thing I'm doing right now is like, I think the 10th iteration of what I actually started thinking about in the beginning. Like, it's just like, I was like, maybe I should open a yoga studio. Oh, no, that doesn't work because I want to be location independent. And it was resistance again. And then maybe I should do this. And I was like, no, that doesn't work because that's not what I want for my life. So basically I had to kind of go through, I would say 10 different things because I was like, oh, right. This is what I actually want to do in my life. Okay. That makes sense. All right, let's do it. So that's a long story, but that's, that was, oh my God, there, there's a lot of juiciness there that I can't mm -hmm. wait to get into. Maybe we should start with um, what you're actually doing now. And then I'd love to just um, go through a few of the iterations and how you kept on going. Like that's yeah. just such a fascinating journey. Did you fail? Like, did you try and did you fail? Do you know what I mean? So you had mm -hmm. all these ideas of ways you can make this happen. And did you just like go out there or did you conceptualize and go, no, that's not going to work and make pros mm -hmm. and cons, pro and con list? 
thankfully, I had a very strict list of what I wanted my life to look like. A very good idea. Like Basically, I knew that I wanted whatever I was doing, I wanted to be location independent with it. That was absolutely crucial. There were no there was no ifs, ands, and buts about it. Like, there's no way that could be a negotiable item. That was a non-negotiable thing. I had to be location independent. No way. If something was not kind of going along with that system or with that thing, idea, then scratch it out. Now, of course, resistance-wise and my people-pleasing-wise and a lot of different things, I was like, oh, maybe I should just do something in Toronto because, you know, like, that's my thing and I'll still be here with my parents and maybe I can make loads of money and my parents would still be proud of me and if I just gave up everything, what would they think of me? You know, so all that stuff still was happening in my head. So first of all, as I said, I decided to open a yoga studio. And so I did go around looking at different spaces in Toronto for the first two weeks. And I walked around in the cold. It was so cold then. I walked around in the cold, looking at things, looking at prices, doing like a business analysis, doing a business case for myself, uh, because I wanted to figure out if it was feasible or not. And then figuring out in terms of monetary, you know, if it's possible, do I have enough money for it? If I took took out a loan, what would it work out to? How many students would I have to get in order to make it a profitable business or at least a uh, enough that I break even. So I did all that for the first two weeks. And then suddenly I'm sitting there by the water because I spent a lot of time by the water that first few months because the water calmed me down and just watching the water and thinking helped me really realize the truth of things. And so I was thinking to myself, obviously this is not the right idea because it does not make you location independent. So I had to scratch it out and re-begin. So then I was like, all right, cool. And then so I did another set of research and then I looked around. I was like, all right, maybe online business is a thing for me to do. And so I looked into it. I joined the Screw the 9 to 5 group, Facebook group. Uh, it's a great group online. It's run by this couple of, there's an Australian guy and his wife, who's Canadian actually, I think. Anyway, so they're great people, really smart. And I followed them for a bit and I learned a little bit from them. But little by little, I kind of realized, so kind of like, basically it was like culling things off and cutting it off. Like when you're making a statue, you're basically taking things out little by little to make the actual statue, right? Like to carve it out. You're not putting things in, but you're removing things in order to get the beauty beneath. And that was what my thing was like. I tried things out. I was like, mm, that doesn't work, but this works. This part is good. This part isn't. So let's take that part out and stick with this. Let's add on to this particular part that works and try different things. I tried the online business thing first with Instagram and Facebook. And I was like, all right, let's do Facebook ads and Instagram ads and things like that that didn't work for me because it wasn't my forte and also didn't enjoy it that was another one of my big criteria I had to have fun while I was doing it it was a big one for me I hadn't had fun doing any of my other things I hated the corporate world I hated going into it every single day it was not fun for me no matter how much I tried no matter what I did and I was like all right that's it if I'm going to do something it has to be fun so that was another one of my criteria so if it wasn't fun then I was gonna be like all right scratch it so again, that, I tried that, didn't work, didn't like it, wasn't fun. It was, I, I felt the same kind of angst and anxiety in my body that I got when I went to my corporate job. And that was a big indication for me as well. If I was feeling the same kind of anxiety, then what's the point? Why did I quit? I had a good job with good, a good salary. Everyone respected me. So why quit if you're going to feel the same way? So again, feelings like taking, make sure that like my feelings were in check, that I was being location independent things like that. And so the Screw the 9 to 5 job, the Screw the 9 to 5 group kind of introduced me to Erica Blair and she told me about Chiang Mai. I think that's how it went. Now it's like four years ago. So like my memory is kind of off, but I'm pretty sure that's how it went. That's how I met you guys. 
And uh, so she told me, why don't you come to Chiang Mai? You know, you're probably Toronto's very expensive. You're probably spending a lot of money while trying to figure this thing out. Also, Johnny FD is here. He does a lot of FBA stuff or dropshipping stuff. And there's other people who do FBA, Amazon uh, shipping. And so you can learn a lot from people. And so she obviously convinced me. She's brilliant. I love her. And so I decided, uh, it was August 2016. I was like, all right, cool. Let's book a ticket. And so I sat on a patio somewhere in Toronto having lunch with a friend of mine. And I was like, I'm, I think I'm moving to Chiang Mai. And he's like, what? What's, where's Chiang Mai? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know that much about it, but I'm moving there. I bought the ticket. It was 700 bucks, I remember. And I told my parents about it. I mean, I tried to explain to them. They understand now, but at that point, I wasn't able to explain it to myself. But my instinct told me that I was the right. Intuition told me that it was the right thing to do. It felt really good in the moment in time. And it felt like the best decision ever. And I'm so grateful that I took it. Oh, my God. But again, like in Chiang Mai, I did a bunch of things. I tried dropshipping, actually, for a few weeks. I tried FBA as well. I tried the Amazon shipping thing. It didn't work for me. I didn't like it. I didn't like the culture associated with it. I didn't like the people associated with it. And again, the tribe has, like the vibe has to fit with the tribe. And if it doesn't, then again, it's a scratch it, get rid of the idea. So over time, I kind of finally realized, I'm like, dope. I'm like, finally, I realized, you know, that the only thing I really want to do is be creative. Like the only real thing that I want to do is be location independent and be creative and feel good while I'm doing it, have fun while I'm doing it. And mainly I focus now on creating stuff. So creating YouTube videos. Uh, so I have a channel for INFJ stuff and other stuff that I'm doing now, kind of branching out into different topics. A lot of ethereal, abstract, spiritual stuff, things that I'm kind of navigating in my own life that I'm like, all right, let's share this stuff with people, even if they don't get it, which a lot of people don't, which is fine. And then the rest of my day is about writing. I write two or th I'm writing two books at a time right now. So usually I'd write two books at a time. So the more important book I'll write during the, in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I write the less important book. It's important. Usually nonfiction. And then in the evening, I edit. But usually what happens is I get excited, really excited in the morning when I wake up. And so I usually end up writing both of those pieces at once. And I edit in the afternoon. So you, my days are pretty much weirdly like that. And then besides that, I have a podcast. So basically creation. Like my thing is creation. As much as possible, I want to create, 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 create. Use my creativity. Create videos. Create books create character stories. Right now I'm creating a new comic. I'm working on creating a comic right now because I've always wanted to create a comic and I love them. And I think it's a great medium to get ideas across. So I'm using my sister's iPad to create comics, still working on, on how to make them better looking. But every day I get an idea and I'm like, all right, let's make a comic out of it. Um, yeah. And so things like that. So my thing right now is creativity. As long as I can be creative and have fun with it, Thankfully, I'm getting a lot of uh, getting enough cash from it that I can survive and live the life that I want to live. Um, so it's perfect. Like, it's great. People are always supporting me. Whenever I need extra cash, usually I just ask the universe in the form of a fundraiser. So I'll put a fundraiser on Facebook or I'll ask my YouTube people, you know, I'm, I'm running out of cash. I need enough money to pay my rent this year or this month. Do you guys have any cash that you can kind of come up with? And so I usually I don't want to have to put it out there. Usually I'm like in my head and thinking, all right, today I'm going to ask for $400 for my rent, something like that. And usually it just appears. Uh, the universe is pretty good to me. Or, you know, my parents are also very supportive. So they're always supporting me as well. If I have to come back to Toronto, they pay for the airline ticket. So I don't have to worry about that. Also, I have two rentals in Toronto. So they pay for some of my expenses. So in general, like whatever my thing is, like I just want to make sure I have enough money to do my thing, be creative all day long, every day. 
have fun with it, be location independent, not worry about what my time is about. Like, I don't want to answer to anyone else um, and things like that. So that's how it goes. <laughs> okay. Shika, you truly are... The- I was just actually thinking about this as you were sharing your story. You're you're the most fearless person I know. Yeah. Thank you for that. But I don't yeah. actually know if it's fearlessness, except except like I've tried it all, and I know that I know what works for me. Maybe maybe I don't know. Maybe it's fearlessness. Who knows? But um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's actually correct. I, a lot of people say that to me, but I don't know if I agree with them necessarily I think often it looks different from the outside than it feels on the inside because for you for all of us we all have personal experience of fear and it's just on a on a scale I suppose and Mm -hmm. of course being human you're going to have some fear um but it's your ability to just for me from the outside looking at you it feels that you're always self-referencing you're always um kind of um yeah just from the story you were saying, uh, you were telling us, it just, well, the question I want to ask is, wow, it just sounds like the way you tell it, it's like, that didn't work, so I tried something else. That didn't work, so I tried something else. And was there any point throughout that which you thought, oh my God, <laughs> this is just frustrating? Or like, did you ever want to just turn back and, and, and go back to your corporate job? Oh, no, never did I ever want to go back to my corporate job. But no, definitely I had moments of frustration. So never was my thing like, oh, I need to go back to a nine to five job. Um, if it if it was, if I would ever do that again, which I don't think I would, but in any case, it would be a last, last, last resort. But then I would have to promise myself that I tried everything. I tried every possible thing on this planet. I'll give you guys an example of one of my businesses failing which is still failing at the moment, but I'm trying a billion things. So I, I kind of um, shipped a bunch of bags, maybe 50, 50, 75 bags of these beautiful bohemian tie bags. They're gorgeous, made by the Hill Tribes. And yes, I've given I you should, one. I'll no, show you. This is what I use. <laughs> oh, do you actually use it? Amazing. Oh, great. Yeah. Awesome. It's my purse. I've been using I noticed it. that I yesterday. Meaning oh, to tell beautiful. you, I've been using this for about a year. Amazing. I'm so happy. Oh, I the love them. Shika, advert. The Shika, if we ever put this on video. Anyway. <laughs> it still looks pretty Beautiful. good. It's really great. It's it lasts quality. long. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, shipped the, no, okay. I shipped the wallets and the bags to Toronto. And I wanted to sell it to Torontonians because I think it's such a beautiful thing. It's so much color and we lack color here. Like most people just wear gray and black or white or gray. So I shipped them last two years ago and then I tried to sell them on Etsy. I tried at Amazon and a couple of them sold maybe 10, I would say, but not in like, not to get rid of my inventory at all. They're still sitting in my parents' basement. Anyway, so I tried that, you know, I tried posting on Facebook groups. I tried going on clothing swap uh, to clothing swap events. I tried going to the park and selling them. I tried, I would say at least a 10, 10 different things I tried in order to sell them. And they didn't, like they did not like sell. And I was actually like, I wasn't even pricing it very high. I just wanted to get rid of my inventory at that point. I was like, all right, let me just get rid of this thing. Cause I don't want it sitting in my parents' basement. And so even now, two years later, I haven't sold the inventory. So what I decided finally was like, all right, that's it. The universe is telling me, but I had a brilliant lesson from it, which is that I don't want to sell physical inventory, which is great to know. And also I don't want to sell, I don't want to do online business in that regard anymore. So that was a really, it was a perfect lesson for me to learn, a very cheap lesson actually to learn. 
I only spent like $3,000 on my inventory. So it's totally fine. I, so I'm now giving, just, just giving them away. I go on a Facebook group. Uh, there's a pals or a buns Facebook group in Toronto. And I kind of pretend to do a draw, but whoever kind of says they want the bag or they want to win the bag. So there's 32 people right now who said they want to win the bag. I'm giving it all away. So I'm giving away all the bags to the people who said they wanted it just to kind of add a bit of cheer to their life, you know, also I'm not going to sell the bag anyways. And, and it's better if it kind of brings that joy to people that I really wanted to bring. I wanted to bring joy to the people. Whenever I see my bag, it's so beautiful. I'm like, wow, I have this beautiful piece of thing that someone made. I'm so grateful. And so I've been giving them away for the past two, three weeks. And every single time someone picks them up, they just sit there in their car because I can see them because I can see the driveway from my window. And they just sit in the car and they look at it and they send me a message right away. Oh my God, this is gorgeous. And just that, I'm like, all right, cool. So the bag did its function. It did what it needed to do. It got to the person and caused them joy. And it's just sitting in the basement in the black, cruel basement, like just darkness and not being enjoyed by someone. At least it's being enjoyed by someone now. So basically that's what I'm going to do is over the next couple of months while I'm here, just give them all away, get rid of the inventory never think about doing a physical inventory job again. It's not for me. It's not my forte. I don't like it. I didn't enjoy it. I did it because a lot of other people were doing it. Also, I love these bags so much and I really wanted people to enjoy them as much as I did. And I got so many compliments whenever I would take it anywhere. Um, so I was like, maybe people actually do want them. Maybe I could sell them. And so that is an absolute example of my failing business. But I tried a, different, a billion different things. And finally, I was like, all right, cool. Let's, let's let it go. Because not all businesses are going to work out like they will not. And it's okay. And that's why we start small. We put a little bit of money into it. And if it doesn't work out, then you let it go. And then you try something else because then something else will work. I never imagined that my YouTube channel would work, but I put my videos out there every single day. Cause I was like, let's do it. <laughs> let's put out videos. I don't know what's going to happen, but let's do it. And it did work out. So, you know, you never know really what's going to happen. Never. Actually, that's one of my favorite stories about you. First of all, I'll just tell you how I met you. I, um, yeah. In Chiang Mai, I uh, would look at the Facebook um, groups like the, the Nomad Facebook mm. group and the Chiang Mai no Digital Nomad Women's group. And, and like often I would see this boom shika posting just like, mm -hmm. does anyone want to come to voice lessons with me? <laughs> or does uh, does anyone uh, have a uh, ukulele I can borrow? Mm -hmm. or, you know what I mean? Like just uh, consistently posting like, hey, does anyone want to meet for lunch? Like mm -hmm. anything and everything, it, but very consistently you would be posting mm -hmm. and sometimes often to crickets. Yeah. And um, it, it just was like, uh, but the next week it would be a new question and it would be right. boom shika, like, uh, like constantly. I'm just like, who is this girl? And mm -hmm. how is she so fearless that she just does not care if she has no response? She'll just keep going. Yeah. How did it feel to be, how, what was, because um, that is, yeah. I was, I was going to ask how did, how did it feel? But first, I just want to reiterate what Janie said. Like, it reminds me of this yogic um, kind of, tale I was told about um I don't know I'm paraphrasing it was like a parable but basically um there was this guy who would always say hi to this his neighbor every day mm. and um and they'd be really friendly with each other and the neighbor was like and one day she was like fuck off or something okay <laughs> maybe <laughs> explicit language in this podcast <laughs> she was like, to be go away <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You're so cute. Okay. Um, she was like, go away. And um, 
And then the next day he was just like, hello, you know, just consistently just, mm. and she started being more and more horrible to him. <laughs> <laughs> he just kept on saying hi. And, and people were like, what, what, is, she's treating you really badly. Why do you keep on like being friendly to her? And he's like, mm. because I am being me and I am someone who has love for everybody. And I'm just saying hello, you know, and, and that's it. It's, it's that kind of real groundedness in yourself and, and, and um, integrity in who you are as a person that is not reference. It, 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 you aren't you relative to your outside environment. So what I feel from your actions, it, it feels very grounded that you're like, I am going to be me and just reach out and um, create opportunities or connections, whether it garners a response or not, because I'm, I, that is who I am. And, um, but that's what I feel from that. But how did it feel from your side when nobody answered? I just assumed that they were busy and didn't see my post. I just assumed that. Or just like, oh my uh, God, who's this weird girl who keeps on posting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but shit, I'm not joking, because that is what I would have thought. I'd be like, oh my oh, gosh, really? no one answered. I'm never going to post again. Uh, you know, no, truly, truly, that's exactly what most people would do, actually. Yeah. They would um, like, set over it, absolutely. But you're consistently, you're relentless. Like, literally, uh, it was so often, I'm just like, wow, this girl just does not give a... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I was like, eventually I'll find something that people like and want to do with me. That's okay. I, I'll, I'll eventually find that perfect hotspot. But also, like, um, one thing that I kind of wanted to say, and this is uh, Ayurvedic, not Ayurvedic, um, um, Gita, the Bhagavad Gita says this, and I really believe in it, is that you're not entitled to the fruits of your labors, you're only entitled to your labors. And once you put yourself out there, you put yourself out there, you've done it, and that's it. You're not entitled to what happens out of it, you do it. You do it because you do it. You want to do it, whatever it makes you happy. And I do this with everything and everything that I put out there. I'm not entitled to know what happens after I put it out there. It's my baby. I've given it all of the joy and the love it can. And now it's on the world and it needs to do its thing on its own without my help. And it's gone. It's done. And my relationship with it is done. It's like get, getting rid of an 18-year-old and pushing them out of the house. You know, they're gone. And you don't need to worry about it. So you're only entitled to your labors. I'm only entitled to what I do for myself. Whatever happens with it, once I put it out there, I actually don't remember a lot of those posts. I posted it and I forgot about it. If someone did reply to me, all right, cool, great, awesome. They didn't, and that's okay, the next one. What am I going to talk about next? Um, and the same thing with my videos too. I'm like, all right, sometimes I don't get views even right now, even at this point in time, and I have a few subscribers. I still have like sometimes 50 views on a subject because it's so boring to them maybe. And so I'm still like, all right, cool, I did it. I had to do it because it was something that I wanted to speak about and I put it out there. And I'm not entitled to see what happens with the fruits of it. It'll come, it won't come, it might not come, I might die before it comes. A lot of authors, like Franz Kafka, they are brilliant, but they, because of fear, didn't put themselves out there. They got the fruits of their labor after they died. They're famous after they died. That's sometimes what happens. You, know, you don't sometimes, maybe like 50, 60, 90 years from now, someone might be like, all right, she's great, let's like pump her up. And I might not be here yet or still, you know, so that's fine. As long as it gets the work done, which is me getting out and helping people become the, becoming a little bit better every single day. That's basically my motto with these things that I do online.
So that's the thing that I want to share with you guys. <laughs> oh, wow, Shika, I love that so much. So um, basically, like, uh, from my understanding, like, you uh, started this YouTube channel. And yeah. for how long did it take you to build an audience? Which you're being so humble because you have, what? I only have 10,000 subscribers. Compared to a lot of channels, it's not a lot. Of, for me, I love it. I'm really grateful. But in general, if you consider like there are million people with millions of subscribers. For me, those 10,000 people are extremely important. So, but I'm just comparatively kind of saying in terms of other people. But you, they're not just subscribers. You have a community. You have people that have breakfast with Boom. I know. <laughs> I've met one of them. Literally, one of your fans came to Thailand to Chiang Mai and we went out for dinner and uh, mm -hmm. like I got to see the impact that you've made on this human soul that like has breakfast with Boom every single day that's incredible and right. also um you shared with us I don't know if you want to share with it um it with us here uh, on this thing that we can edit anyway but <laughs> um no, it's fine. she didn't say but, anything about anonymity so it's fine a lot of people do say that if they if they don't want me to share it because they know everyone knows if they send me something i'll share it on the channel if they don't tell me not to so sorry go on no i was gonna say so yeah wonderfully yesterday you shared with us um a very heartfelt message from one of your subscribers and you changed their life yeah, so they broke up with someone a week ago, and he started watching, he or she, no, she started watching, I don't remember, she started watching, Lauren, I think her name is, <laughs> she started watching my stuff, or hearing my podcast, actually listening to my podcast, because I, I trans, transfer all of the videos that I do into podcast format, so I don't actually edit them, I don't do anything with them except add an intro and an outro, and then I put the same video with all of its weird quirks into an, uh, into an audio format and put it into a podcast for INFJs to listen to. Because some people don't like audio, they don't like video format, they just want to listen to it on the go. And so she's been listening to my podcast for the last week. And she, the main thing I really loved about her message was that she said that she started loving herself again. Like she actually loves herself for being an INFJ or for being who she is, whatever she is, whoever she is. And that's literally what I say in every one of my videos, almost like, or like basically what I want people to get out of it is I just want there to be more self-love on this planet in general but specifically among INFJs, because that's one of their things. They have a really hard time with loving themselves. I know I did for the longest time. And I know that it's a, it's a game changer for INFJs. As soon as we start loving ourselves, we literally start putting ourselves out there, doing all the things we want to do, living our lives to the fullest. I think most people are like that, but INFJs particularly. And so that in itself, like it just, it's like a moment of growth. It's like, as soon as they get to that point, boom, it's like their life changes completely. And so oh. I got to instigate that in her. And so INFJs, for people who don't know what INFJ stands for, it's a Myers-Briggs. Um, yeah, I'll let you explain. You're the INFJ <laughs> whisperer. So I'm not yes. an expert. So again, I'm not, I haven't studied it, actually. I haven't studied what it is. I don't look at um, that much online information about it. I just kind of go by my experience. But basically, the essence of it is that there are 16 types in the Myers-Briggs personality type test. It was created by two women based on Carl Jung's teachings. And I love Carl Jung. He's a brilliant, brilliant man. And so they created this and the whole world is divided into these 16 subtypes, INFJ being one of them, being the rarest of all of them. I think there's only 1% of us in the world. I don't know if I actually believe that. I think most of us are hiding in our rooms. So people don't even, aren't even aware that we actually exist. But, but that's the case. And then Zeta is an ENFP and... Janie is an INFP. 
And so everyone has these kind of letters associated with them, right? So um, there's four different letters that associated with every person. Now, of course, everyone's like, oh my God, you can't put me into a box. Unfortunately and weirdly, yes, you can. Not a really real box, obviously, but in a lot of cases, a lot of the personality types do share a lot of characteristics among themselves. Now, every person's different. So I am an extroverted introvert. I'm much more extroverted than any of the INFJs you will ever meet. And there's a lot of INFJs who are much more introverted than me, like 100,000 times more introverted. They don't go out for months on end. If I didn't go out for months on end, I would feel stifled. I can not go out for a few days on end, but I do need my social interaction. So again, like I'm obviously we fall on a spectrum, all of us, but yeah, we do have a lot of similarities between us. And so that is a type that I usually speak to because I am that. I, ha- I am that right now in this moment in time and I associate with it. And I notice that there are a lot of weird things I do. And I'm like, why do I do these silly things? And then I realize, all right, yeah, okay, it's because of this. Now, I'm not saying it's always because of that. I think sometimes I do silly things because I'm a silly person. But some, a lot of times I'll do these videos and be like, all right, maybe you guys do this as well. I don't know. I just noticed this quirk within me and I want to share it with you. And a lot of INFJs will message me saying, oh my God, I do that too. I can't believe it. And so then after I started hearing that a lot, I was like, all right, I'll just do these as INFJ videos. Because in the beginning I wasn't, I was just doing it as videos about me, vlogs basically. Where I was like, I do these weird things and I just want to talk about it. And so then I was like, all right, let's do an INFJ specific channel. Because I've heard that if you do a specific YouTube channel with a niche, it works better. So then I started doing INFJ videos and they were, they worked really well. I mean, the first few ones that I've done, they have like 60, 70,000. For me, that was really well. They were, have a lot of views. And usually what happens is that if anyone searches for INFJ on YouTube, usually they get maybe another person and then me as a recommendation. And that's usually how people find me is by YouTube, which is, I'm so grateful to them for that. Uh, and so that's the essence of it. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, um, amazing that um, you've created this community. Mm-hmm. And uh, that it came, did it come from you wanting to create your own community or it, or from a wish to be creative? Mm, or where did that's it come an interesting from? question. Because I actually don't want a community, which is a terrible thing to say. No. I love them. <laughs> I really do love them. No, those people are like, they're great and I do love them, but I have very strict boundaries with them. This is something that a lot of them cry to me about all the time. Um, but I've, I've put these boundaries in place because if I don't do that, then I'll literally be spending all day long being playing therapist to every single person that I talk to. A lot of them message me and say they want to be my friends, offline friends. They want to meet up with me. They'll come visit me or, you know, they'll, they'll send me a ticket so I can come visit them. It happens often enough and happened often enough that I was like, all right, I need to kind of tell people that even though I seem like this friendly person, I'm not, I'm actually a complete opposite, a complete opposite of that. And I want the space and time to do my work and not to talk to people or to create communities. So a lot of times what I've done is that I've straight placed boundaries. So I actually usually just send them a video. They're like, oh, I want to be friends with you. Or can you give me advice on this relationship I have? People will send me, if you you guys could just see, I mean, I love them, but they send me like books. Like they'll send me a message, which is like 16 paragraphs long. And so I usually just send them a message saying, I'm sorry, but I don't do free advice anymore. If you want to pay for it, you can, which most people will not, which is perfect because then I don't have to bother with it anymore. And also I've created communities. So I'm like, all right, if you don't want to pay for it, I have this Facebook group. I have this Discord channel. I have this other channel. You can go there and talk to other people, ask them questions. They have the time. They sit on there all day long. They'll be able to help you out. I can't, but go there. And so 
I actually am not, I'm not interested. I shouldn't say I'm not interested. I'm grateful that the community was created because it supports the people in a way that I can't, which is the whole point of it. One person's not gonna be able to do it, but if there are, and then I create moderators, obviously, a lot of these people are just sitting on Facebook all day long and they want to be on there. People actually message me saying, can I be a moderator on the Discord channel? I'm like, yeah, cool, sure, go for it, do whatever you want. As long as you don't, if you're not rude, racist, homophobic, or in any shape or from like similar to that person, like anything. if you're just kind to people, then you can do whatever the hell you want on my channels and on my Facebook groups. That's what I tell them. But I want the community because it supports people, but I don't want to be the one who does the supporting. I want to do the videos because that's fun for me. And that's what I realized. I was like, it's not fun for me to message to these people back. And I realized that I was like, all right, cut it off, scratch it off your list. Because if you don't, you can get too deep into it because you care about, I do care about people. I don't want to, but I do. And so I needed to create these boundaries in order to make sure that I was taking care of myself and not burning out. That's really interesting. Did you have, sorry, I have so many questions about this, but did you have <laughs> resistance in you to creating those boundaries? Like, it's really remarkable to me that you were able to see that you weren't enjoying, you're enjoying a specific part of this community cre- um, creating, and then it reached a point where you were being pulled away from yourself. Yeah. And how did you recognize that? And was it was it difficult for you to, or how It's actually a great it? point because it allows me to bring up something that is a major indicator for me that I use all the time. If I'm not enjoying myself, if I'm not aligned with myself, I know that this is the major indicator that I use, which is basically my my body starts clenching up or tightening up around itself. So I noticed that every single time I had to go answer these questions, I literally started getting this clenchy feeling in my body. Like my heart started like feeling anxious. I started like feeling uncomfortable in my body. I started making excuses about why I don't want to do the work. And I never make excuses about anything related to the stuff I like. So that's a really good indicator for me. And so it's usually my body. My body's intelligence is greater than my, my mind's intelligence for sure. I can convince myself in my head, oh, no, this is great. You're helping people. But then my body's like, no, I don't like this. I really don't like it. I don't want to do it anymore. And eventually I can't ignore my body anymore because I, I will make myself sick over it. I will make go to a point where I, I'll literally get a fever because I don't want to do the things I want to, that I that are not enjoyable or they're not aligned with me. And I think of everything that happens with my body as an indicator, as a symptom of the fact that I'm, a, I'm not living aligned to my values. Every single thing that happens to my body. So if I get a, a ache in my shoulder, it's because I'm not aligned to the burdens or responsibilities I'm bearing within myself or, or within my life. If I, you know, if I start getting digestive issues again, that's a problem with anger or something. So I'm always kind of associating it with something that's happening in my life. And so my body's telling me, you don't like this. Why are you doing it? Stop doing it. It happened over and over again, though, because again, I'm foolish as well. And I don't listen the first time around. And so my body's like, no, I don't like this. All right, no, it's okay. You can do it. So I sent a few messages and I did it for a few weeks until I was like, no, I don't really like this at all. I don't want to do this anymore. It makes me unhappy it makes me unhappy to do this I don't like this time I'm spending I want to do videos I don't want to do this and so then I was like all right let's do a video on it send that video out to everyone who asks me questions and if they get angry about it then block them because a lot of people do get angry about it and they start swearing at me oh wow okay so I'm actually I'm fascinated by the idea of resistance going back to mm-hmm. Stephen Pressfield yeah. and so um how do you know between the different kinds of resistance Mm, wow okay how do I know particularly or generally people know 
Well, you, because like okay. you, you, there's obviously um, a point where when you start anything new, there's mm-hmm. going to be resistance there. Yeah. And so how do you know when it's like, oh, no, I just am not going to do that. That's enough. Like, I'm going to give up okay. and move on. Yeah. That's actually such a good point because I think that's one of the things that kind of most people have a problem with or have an issue with because how do you know that you're just like being lazy or just you don't want to stick with something for long enough that or that you actually are not aligned with it and your soul doesn't want to do it, right? Like that's a totally, yeah, absolutely. Sure, for sure. And I think that's a big one for, for it was for me as well. I think what happens with most individuals is that the more you know yourself, the more you're able to understand yourself, the easier it becomes to answer this question. Uh, And so it's a very, I know it's like a probably like a very, (laughs) a big letdown in this question, but the answer is always knowing, know thyself, know where you're coming from and know your values. A lot of people don't even know what their values are. Do you know your value system? There's five or six values that propagate and perpetuate and kind of push you into everything that you do. And if those values are not aligned, it's probably usually why you're unhappy with the thing that you're doing. My four or five values, and I know them by heart, and I know because every single time I do anything, I kind of always go back to these values and I'm like, all right, I, something doesn't feel right here. Why? Are my values aligned with this? Hmm, no, it's not aligned with this particular one. Obviously, I'm not happy. Now, sometimes it means that you just have to push yourself through it. And that's the real thing about it. How do you know the difference? Well, what, is, what are you doing in general and what is your big thing? That's the, another thing that you can look at. What is your one thing that you want to do in the world? Sometimes I'm sitting there and thinking, I really don't want to do videos today. I'm so tired and I don't want to do them. And I feel grumpy and I look like I look terrible and my hair is greasy. And, you know, I mean, I'm coming up with all of these interesting, amazing resistance excuses that seem pretty plausible. I mean, yes, I feel terrible. And yes, my hair is dirty. But I've done many videos where my hair was dirty. And yes, I've done many videos where I was basically with dengue fever dying and I was still like, all right, no, I have to do my videos today. So why am I feeling this way today? And so some of those days I will let it go. Some days I'll be like, all right, cool. You don't want to do it? Don't do it. We're not going to do anything today. We're just going to sit around and do nothing. And so usually what happens after a day or two of doing that, and that's why usually I have a roster of videos scheduled out because I know I have certain days where I come up where I'm like, I don't want to do anything today. All right, cool. Let's not do anything today. Let's just sit and watch or read mangas. That's my thing. I just, if, when I know I'm going into that mode, I'll just have a pile of mangas, well, uh, comics. Uh, in Manga my world. comics. I'll just, yeah. <laughs> I'll just, yeah, Japanese comics. And mm-hmm. I'll just read and read and read and read all, all day long. And I'll sleep and I'll vegetate, basically. I'll eat a lot and let myself be in that vegetative state. And then... If I need one more day, I'll let myself have one more day. But usually after the second end of the second day, I'm like, I want to do something creative. There's this impulse inside of me that says, all right, like what? What are we doing here? Why are we being a vegetable? Let's do something. Let's do something with our lives. And so instantaneously in the third day, I'm like, all right. And usually at that point, I have an outpouring of creativity. Usually I'll end up doing six or seven videos on that third day. But literally, I'm just sitting and like, oh, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about that. Let's talk about this. And, and so I'm like really excited. And I'm like, I'm just raring to freaking go. And so a lot of times, if you give yourself that time, basically what happens for me, is, at least it's burnout. What I'm doing to myself is I'm tired. It's not that I don't want to do that work. It's that I'm exhausted and I haven't given myself enough time to rest. It happens to me a lot. I'm trying very much to bring more yin energy, more nourishment into my life around nowadays. I spent a lot of times taking care of myself because I know I don't do a good job of it. And this is something that a lot of, actually did a video on this recently, 
a lot of people don't realize is that those stories that we tell ourselves in our heads, a lot of them are false. I think maybe one of you told me this, but literally what we need to do is realize, all right, maybe you're just tired. Maybe this is a temporary situation. Maybe if you stop for, for a few days, see how it goes. And sometimes I will stop. I won't do videos for a few days. And I won't do, I won't do my writing for a couple of days. And I'm like, all right, let's see how that goes. Usually at the end of the second day, I'm like, I, mm-hmm. I, I'll just sit all night long and I'll write. Cause I, there's, it was not the fact that I was not wanting to do that particular thing. It was just, I was tired. I just needed a break. And sometimes you do, you just need a break. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah. Is that okay? Yes, Jenny? absolutely. Um, and I actually, I had a spinoff question about um, intuition. Mm-hmm. and how that plays a role in this process yeah so for me my intuition is my body's intelligence um i focus a lot on my gut but my gut is usually related to your digestion like if your digestion is off if it's normally not off and suddenly it becomes off your body's telling you something it's trying to tell you something through you know the, the problem is that the body kind of resorts to all of these things only because we don't listen to our real intuition which is basically our heart a lot of us are not connected to our hearts i am not i have a very hard time connecting to my heart i spend so much of my time not listening to it and so because we're not connected to our hearts if we were truly connected to our hearts we would know instantaneously if something was right or wrong we wouldn't even need our body to tell us anything because our heart would but because we're not and i'm not definitely i think you guys are better than i am for sure but i'm not connected to my heart so i need to focus on my body's intelligence for that and yeah, the gut instinct is one thing, but mostly I focus on my body. What is my body telling me? If my shoulders start hunching up a lot, if they're stressed out, then obviously I'm not liking something that's going on right now. And so as soon as something happens, something changes within my body. Again, I do a lot of yoga. So instantaneously, I'll know if something's changing in my body. Like I instantly know when something happens. And so whenever that signal comes, I'll literally stop everything I'm doing and I'll sit with myself like, all right, what's going on right now in my situation, my environment, my vicinity that's causing me to feel this way and literally is that that's the most important thing that pause because your brain is going to make up all these stories your brain is always making up stories about everything oh no you just had milk yesterday that's why you're having this issue or no it's because you know it's so many so many terrible wrong stories that your brain will come up with so literally just don't believe your mind as much as possible is my my recommendation for me particularly um and so I'll listen, I'll sit and I'll literally pay attention to what is it? Like what, what changed? Why? I was fine yesterday. I was fine in the morning. What changed between that time and right now? Something changed because my body is telling me something's changed and something is causing me to feel irked or anger or, or, or fear. What is it? Anxiety, something. Why? And so I usually will just sit and I'll kind of, I won't even journal. I won't write. I won't think. I won't move. I'm basically meditating, I guess, but not like real meditation. And I'm just trying to figure out what changed that caused me, my body's intelligence to perk up. And usually, usually because I'm, I've been doing this for a while, my body's like, all right, this is it. This is it. You don't like this particular person in, in your environment. They're being way too talkative or they're sending out a negative energy. Or it might be that you decided to do this, but it's not aligned with what you were saying you wanted to do. So fix it. Things like that. It'll instantly, like when you sit with it, and slow down and be still, the answer usually comes very quickly to me. So I really am trying as much as possible. I I wasn't like this before. So this is all stuff that's very pretty recent, I would say in the last year and a half, two years. Um, And so I literally try as much as possible 
to re rely on my body's intelligence. It's the most important thing I think I've learned for myself. And is it, um, it, it yeah, that's amazing. And uh, the connection that you have with your body and what I wanted to ask is, so you say you don't want to listen to the mind and then you, within that stillness, what does, so you feel into your body and is it like you can just read what it's saying or do you feel like, what does it sound like? The, oh, it's this, it's someone's being too talkative. Is, if that makes sense. How um, does it manifest? Right. I mean, other than so, the feelings. Yeah. Um, so I, I should have characterized myself. I don't listen to the stories that my mind makes up about the situations mm. in my life. But of course, I mean, I, when I'm sitting in that stillness, that's the problem with consciousness. Like we still don't know where it exists in the body, right? So like, we don't know where it's coming from. It's not, you know, in our minds, they've definitely made sure of that. Scientists know that our consciousness is not present in the cells in your brain. So that is a certainty, but where does it exist? Where is it coming from? Because when I'm sitting there in stillness, and I'm waiting for that answer. It does come. I assume it's the mind, but it's my consciousness telling me that. But it's not the mind. Then where is it, right? And so I don't really know where it comes from. I can't even give you like a pinpointed answer because I'm like, all right, yeah, that's where it's coming from. But literally, it's like a knowing, an inner knowing. And I know it's a very abstract term and very hard to explain. But when you sit there, because you're so quiet and your mind is quiet too. It's not like your mind is piping up and saying all these things. When you are in that moment of stillness, there is absolute silence in your, or as much as possible silence in your mind. Now, it'll perk up a little by here and there, but it's just nonsense that is talking. You can ignore it very easily if you're used to it. And, and then it pipes up, like you bought it, something pipes up mm -hmm. and I, I want to call it spirit. Atman is what they call it in, in Sanskrit, but it is your heart speaking. That's the only thing I can say is your heart, it's your body. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not a very good explainer. No, I mean, it's a really abstract thing to be able to explain, but I just, um, I mean, I'm so curious as to what people's experiences are of, yeah. of, of feeling this, because I'm always trying to learn for myself. But sorry, Jenny, you have something to ask. Well, basically, uh, is it um, an intentional process where you ask a question and then you create that space and check in? Yes, because my body has told me that it's time to create that space. Like, it's telling me, um, as I said, if something, if something has triggered my body to go into fear mode or anxiety mode or whatever mode it might be. So it, it's telling me, okay, take the time because there's something that you're doing wrong. Because what happens is that most people will not take that time, right? And then they'll keep on going in the wrong direction, right? So they'll keep on going in that. So they keep on doing something that's obviously wrong for them, or they'll be in a relationship that's terrible for them. They're not taking the time. Your body's telling you, get, keep on getting these headaches. I'm, I just keep on getting these headaches. I don't know why. Well, you take a pill. Yeah. <laughs> take a pill. Well, this, <laughs> is, pill. Fine. <laughs> this is what I was saying to Jamie is when we were discussing intuition mm. is I un understand that, yeah, I have a numbing, um, mm. I suppose, yeah. um, reaction often to when those these things are happening you know often we're so I'm habituated to not taking the space yes. I actually just want to go okay well um oh especially with my body actually oh this hurts oh well I'm just going to ignore that um yeah. or yeah you know I used to do that too mm -hmm. or like you know take a pill or something like that or right. um drink some wine whatever might be the numbing um, reaction and actually um, taking space. 
I don't know, for me, it can feel quite confronting when something's coming up. You actually, um, and I, I know from experience that actually taking space and as you've communicated, it is the best thing you can do because you actually allow whatever's coming to come and to, to express itself rather than pushing it down and numbing. Um, but is that something that it now sounds like it's a, it's a, it's a default thing for you that it comes easily? No. So again, like, I mean, I, it's never default for me. I really have to work at it, but recently I'll give you an example of something that happened recently that was not default. And I was like, Oh, let's run away from this. It's not something I want to deal with. Um, and so one of the things I always have an issue with, it's one of those things that I've had an issue with since I was born, perhaps, uh, is my relationship with my father. It's always very tumultuous, chaotic, and filled with anger and remorse and guilt. There's a lot of random emotions associated with it. And so I'm spending a lot of time with him right now because I'm living with him. And unfortunately, um, it's coming up again. I'm like, oh, shoot, I thought I dealt with this. I thought that I'm done with this. You know, I'm done. I thought I was done with this. No, I'm not. And so recently it came up so that I felt so much anger within my body. Like it was literally like I was burning inside. I had fire. Like it was like, I'm going to burn myself in, out from the inside out. Of course, my, my first instinct with this kind of thing is like, let's not think about it. And so I started going on shopping websites. That's what I usually do is like I go online shopping. Not that I have money for it. So I'll just browse. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's not working. Uh, let me go read some manga. So I'll read some really smutty mangas. So like really get my mind off of it. That didn't work either. <laughs> And so I was like, all right, let me just eat some carbs. So I kind of went and, and sorry. And then, and then I stopped and I was like, all right, you know, this is going to go on forever. Like you could pre pretty much do this forever. And then you're not going to sleep properly. And then tomorrow morning, you're not going to do your words properly. Let's just deal with this right now, please. Let's just deal with this right now. And so like, obviously, you know, your trigger, you know what you do in order to numb yourself. Like I know I shop, I read mangas, like really the really terrible ones that I'm not really interested in. I'm just doing it to numb my mind. And I'll eat a lot of sugar uh, in terms of like carbs. I'll eat a lot of carbs. Um, and so, you know, when you're doing that, you need to like literally be like, all right, yeah, so I'm not, I'm trying to numb myself. It's fine. It's good. It numb sometimes you need it. Sometimes you need to just get over it. So then I sat down and I was like, all right, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to. And so I did a little bit of tapping. Um, and one of the things that have helped me a lot with this situation is tapping whenever I feel that anger or emotion coming up I just usually and so tapping is basically emotional freedom technique and you kind of tap through different points on your face body in order to get rid of emotions associated with that particular story whatever that story is that you're telling yourself and so I did I, I tapped once it didn't help I tapped a second time felt a lot better like go felt like I let go of a lot of stuff and then Usually what happens with tapping is that you do it on the first subject and brings up something, brings up an answer or brings up a different issue. And for me, the main thing that came out of it, like it was literally like, like another inner knowing, like it kind of bubbled up to the surface. And I was like, all right, the only thing you need to do right now is be kind to your father. You don't need to do anything else. You don't need to do anything else except be kind. And that, that phrase just kind of kept on repeating in my head, be kind, be kind, be kind. And so now every single day, it's actually much better now. Like it's a lot better. I was also going through my period at the time. So I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. It's a really good time actually when your period to kind of go through this exercise because it brings up a lot of shit stuff for us. And so now whenever I'm, whenever possible, I just try to do a kind act for him every single day as much as possible. Just be kind. Even if he, at points I'm like, oh my God, this is so irritating. Just be like kind. 
and because he's not going to be here for that much longer. Now, this is not gone completely, and I'm sure it's going to come up again, especially when my next period comes up, because that happens a lot. But at least in that moment in time, I was able to resolve it a bit. So yeah, it's not like I do is I numb myself as well. I run away from it as well. I'm not saying the default at all. Some things are easier. Some things are, I think this might be a lifetime thing. I might be doing it my next <laughs> lifetime too. Who knows? <laughs> Actually, I, I would really love to know, like, what are you afraid of? I used to be afraid of not having left my mark on the planet. That was one thing that I was yeah. really afraid of. I remember that. Um, it was something that used to drive me so much that I was like, oh my God, if I don't, then what's the point of me being alive? A lot of that actually came from like hatred. I actually used to hate myself a lot. There was a lot of hatred within me, like self-hate. Um, because I thought that I was I was kind of wasting my time on this planet. That was a big thing for me, that I, I felt like I was wasting my time on this planet. I really hated myself for that. I was like, you've been given all this opportunity. Your father brought, brought you to Canada. Um, like mom, father and mother, they immigrated to Canada for you. And what are you doing? You're just sitting around bemoaning the fact that you have no idea what you're doing with your life, that you don't know what your purpose is. Why can't you just be like everyone else? Like I hated myself a lot for that. But so that fear used to come up for me a lot. Like, I mean, a lot of my fears have been demoted because I'm doing everything that I want to do with my life now. So even if I die tomorrow, it's okay. Um, I say that perhaps, but maybe there's other stuff that will come up. In this moment in time, one of the main fears that I have is that this, I fear a lot for Mother Earth. And I know it's a weird fear to bring up, but I worry a lot about, I worry a lot about what we're doing to the planet. Like it's what, it was one of my things when I was younger as well. And I I worry about it still a lot. That's why I ignore the news because I, I just can't actually watch it anymore because I worry about like, what are we doing? I worry about the next generation a lot. That's why I haven't had kids because I won't, I don't, I cannot bring up a child onto this planet when I know what we're doing to it. I worry that we're actually going to not learn anything from this pandemic, that we're just going to keep on going as, as it is and, and completely destroy the planet and destroy ourselves in the, in the moment, which is more important. I worry about humanity a lot right now, actually. I'm kind of worrying about the, the world in general is kind of like worrying me a lot. But all of these are kind of secondary because whatever what usually happens with me is that it happens and then I'm like all right cool what can I do in the moment to fix it I can create more I can send out more videos I can send out more good vibes into the planet I can write more books for which which has hope in it I can create more comics with hope in it or positivity in it so usually what I go back to is let me just go back to what can I do in this moment I, I might have fear about all of these different things about my father dying or my mom dying or my sister not being healthy enough or, or my brother not being with us or whatever it might be right but what can I do right now about it like I always try to kind of come back to it because then in the present moment there's no fear and you guys probably know this already like yeah you can have fear in the in the past you can have fear in the future as soon as you come back to the present moment there's no fear there because it's not possible fear isn't possible in the present moment so I really try as much as possible like all right what can I do right now can I take any action right now usually it means that I end up doing a video about it I do a lot of videos about these kind of things because I want my listeners to know that there is something that we can do. It's about action. I always talk about action a lot. Everyone feels debilitated by what's going on in the world or by their lives. And what they need to do is like, all right, what can I do right now? As simple as maybe going outside and, I don't know, donating some food to the local shelter or like the littlest things. So I always talk about the ripple effect and I always talk about action. Like, what can you do right now? And so that's what I usually go back to is like, what can I do right now? Like, I might be feeling fear, but what can I do right now? 
So I try not to feel it is what I'm saying is I don't, I don't ruminate in it or I don't spend time with it because it's a waste of time, I think. It's what can you do right now? What action are you taking? Actually, I'm really fascinated when you said um, you can't feel fear in the present moment. Yeah, that's a big teaching of Buddhism. It's actually, and it's actually one of the biggest things that Buddhism teaches and the Buddha teaches. Um, and a lot of uh, meditation teaches. So one of the reasons why we meditate is the main reason is that you cannot. So basically the essence of fear is that you're worried about something that might happen in the future or you're worried about something that happened in the past, or you're anxious about something that happened in the past, yeah? That's usually fear. That is it. That is always it. It's about the future or the present. It's never about the present moment. If you're sitting here right now, unless you're being burned in the bowels of hell and the devil is there and kind of poking at you in that present moment, or like you're drowning or you're dying, I mean, in that moment, then you're not even thinking about fear. You're like, you're like dealing with the situation. But right now in this moment in time, if you can just sit here right now and just really be in the present moment right now in this moment in time, are you really feeling any fear right now? Like what is there to feel fear? If you're really here in this present moment, there's nothing to feel fear about. If you can just stay here, but we can't. As human beings, we constantly move to the, to the future. Oh, but, but what about that thing? Or what about this thing? Or that's, that might happen or this might happen. Or we constantly move to the past, constantly thinking about oh, I did that terrible thing and that's right, I, I shouldn't be happy or things like that. But if you can really truly be in the present moment, it's a big teaching that meditation helps us with. And you can't, you can't feel fear in the present moment. It's not possible because all you're going to do in the present moment is be here. It's that one single moment that you are going to be free of. But then we move to the future again. Like usually what happens to a human being is like, all right, no, but you know what's really helped me with that um, mm. to actually um, make that a pragmatic practice is literally just um, checking in with my breath because mm. at any moment I can anchor to that. And yes, I feel fear, but if I can just remember that um, I can just focus on my breath for five breaths, no matter what, I can go right back into the fear and, and, you know, be swept away by it. But as soon as I'm like feeling that like, overwhelming tidal wave sweeping over me then I grab onto my boy which is my breath yes. and then I have the five breaths and I just like at least calm my parasympathetic nervous system as much as possible because mm -hmm. that just changes it's a state change automatically yeah. so no matter no matter what the fear isn't as penetrating yeah yeah that's a great one I really love that yeah yeah awesome. mm -hmm. that's really beautiful yeah yeah I, I really actually want to like um if we have time I know it's been yeah really, really no we have okay. time. Loads of time oh amazing okay because I really want to talk about tools like you're actually one of uh the, uh the people that I go to to ask like hey uh what tools are you playing with these days mm. and um and how uh, like uh what are you using them for and what kind of impact are they making because I think we're we both have that well we all have that in common we're like personal development junkies yes yes we are um so I don't know if this is necessarily a tool, but I would say routine, morning routine, but routine in general has become one of those tools that has saved me from a lot of my fear and anxiety. And I've been following a lot of Ayurvedic techniques and, and teachings right now. I'm spending a lot of time reading about it and then kind of manifesting it or placing it into my life little by little. And one of the main things that helps a human being feel less fear or anxiety in their life is routine. And it's funny, like a lot of us don't think that way, but just, just 
just eating food at the same time, eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the same time every single day is going to completely change your anxiety levels because your body knows, mm-hmm. your mind knows that it can trust something. And a lot of us, especially in this moment in time, have nothing that they can trust. Everything is shaking. Our foundation is shaky. And so we can just have something to rely upon. If your body knows, okay, all right, cool. Nothing else is stable, but I know I'll get my meal at 8 a.m., noon, and 6 p.m., whatever it might be. Those are the ideal times Ayurvedic teachings tell you to eat. But um, if your body and mind knows, okay, these are the times if I could just, I know I'm going to get my meals at least at that time every single day, and and there's going to be no problems with that, then your body kind of learns to adjust a bit and realizes, all right, I have something to rely upon. So in general, I'm trying to create a lot of routines in my life. And it also helps my writing because the more routinized I am in my life, the more I can be creative in my stories. It's Mm -hmm. funny because I am probably the most boring person on the planet in the way I live my life. Even my parents look at me like they're like, you don't do much, do you? And these are my parents talking. I mean, they're extroverts, so they party a lot. But, um, But I do have a very routinized life, but I've kind of created that way because then the more routines I create, the more stable I feel. My foundation feels more stable and I'm able to use it to really create a lot. Like I can just be so super, super creative and go into all of these weird spaces and places in my mind when I'm writing because I know that my ground is stable. Um, And that's one thing. If you go into the chakra system, Muladhara, like the root chakra is mostly the most unstable for most people. I would say like 80% of the population or more has a very unstable root chakra. And that instability creates a lot of fear and anxiety within us. If you can just create a stable ground for yourself, that will change a lot of your life as well. And I have noticed it for myself. So that's one of my tools, which is not really a tool, but that's one of my things for sure. Oh, it's a massive tool. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm, you're just blowing my mind. I'm going to start. No, I'm you're serious. So I love you. Uh, you always make me feel so good about myself. It's great. Um, the second thing I would definitely say is yoga and meditation, the combo. I don't think I could live without it now. I know a lot of it. I've been doing yoga for a long time now, but I've, I've been, I started a specific form of yoga a year and a half ago focusing specifically on the chakras and I don't know how your audience is and if they believe in the chakra system but there are vortexes of energy within us and nadis and energy systems I mean even if you don't believe in that particular system there is energy in the body if you can believe in that for sure and the yoga that focuses on chakras I've been doing that for a while and then I'm doing a mantra meditation and the combination of the two I usually wake up at five o'clock in the morning and I do the mantra meditation And I'll do it before I fall asleep. So I'll do it in the morning for an hour, hour and a half, depending on how I feel. And then I'll do a yoga session for an hour and a half, two hours, depending on how I feel. And then I do my breakfast at 8 a.m. or 8.30, depending on the time. And so just having that kind of routine again is literally, it has has grounded me, but it has shown me that it has improved my mind-body connection. It has shown me more what my body is asking for it kind of like now I can listen to my body more without being like oh I have no idea what you're talking about now I'm like all right cool this is what you're trying to tell me great I'll give you guys a quick example I was getting up early I was getting up in the middle of the night over and over again at at 2 30 a.m I'll just get up every morning every night 2 30 a.m I'm up and I'm wide awake and I'm like what's going on here I don't get it I don't understand why am I waking up I'm I could go back to sleep thankfully because I would do some meditation I'd fall asleep but literally the same thing every night same time too 
And so I started researching it on Ayurvedic things. And I was like, all right, what does this time mean? What is it? Is it Vata, Kapha? What does it mean? Why this specific time? What is my body doing at this time? Like, what is it doing? Is it digesting? Is it sleeping? Is it, why am I waking up at this time, right? And so I started asking all these questions and I did a little bit of research and I found out that if you wake up at the same time in the middle of the night, every night, it means that you're doing a lot of yang, a lot of power, a lot of fire work during the day and not enough yin work, which is nourishing and grounding and, and basically taking care of our bodies. And women do this a lot, they said. Women always push themselves, push themselves, push themselves. They do a lot of yang work, a lot of like, go, 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 competitive, let's do this, like, and forgetting their femininity. And I know I'm doing that for sure. I do that all the time for sure. And so I started this routine where I started doing a lot of yin work for myself. I started doing a lot of bianga, like a self-massage thing. So I started, you know, putting a lot of coconut oil on my body and massaging myself and giving myself that care, that nourishment. Just a quick thing. It's not even that big of a deal, maybe a five, 10 minute thing. But the next night I was able to sleep through the night, no problem. Like, so that just little tweak. And so the body, so then what happens is that my body is able to tell me these things faster and faster because of this yoga practice and the connection that I have with it. Um, I think those are the main tools that I would say, of course, like reading other people's books and all that stuff. But for me, low, I'm on a low information diet. So I spend as little time as possible reading and taking in information from other people and as much time as possible meditating and being still or walking around or just being by myself, like with my thoughts and my body, because I find that I'm a little bit addicted to knowledge and I'll just take in knowledge like a crazy person, not do anything with it and then read the next book and take in more knowledge, don't do anything with it and then just re just keep on taking in knowledge without actually doing anything with it. And I don't want to be that person. It's, such a for, it's a waste of time for me particularly. That's been a shift for you, hasn't it? Yes. Like I, I am saying this because I am such a, a spiritual uh, yes. uh, knowledge or like personal development junkie, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I'm just addicted to more and more. But I know that at this point in my life, I have to fit, pivot to doing it. All the messages are there. So I'd love to know like when you decided to, to make that shift. I think it was my brain and my body telling me this. And this might seem a little bit abstract, so just stick with me. So a few months ago, I was sitting in my meditation and the only thing that I could think about and the only thing that kept up popping up was the book that I was reading, that I was reading at the moment. And it was just as if like, I couldn't even sit still and be in that moment in time and meditate because the only thing I, like, it was like, basically my brain felt flooded with information. I literally wanted to like, I wanted to squeeze my head and like squeeze all that information out because it felt like I was overwhelmed with it. I was so anxious because there was so much information in there. And even though I'd slept through the night, I usually meditate in the morning, I'd slept through the night. My brain hadn't had enough time to process all that information. You need to give your brain, and I read this very recently as well, that when you read something, you have to give yourself at least two or three days of no information after that in order for your brain to process it because then it's just sitting there and not being processed. And basically it's like, garbage and garbage out is it's just going to be thrown out because it's not inculcated within into your long-term processing and not into your long-term memory it just sits into short-term memory and then gets thrown out um so you need that time you need the time of rest to sleep and the time of no information in order to actually process information so i felt like completely i felt like that the trash can in my laptop where i have like stuffed it like with garbage and it was like there was so much information and i I, I wasn't able to process enough of it. And I was, I was, at that point, I was reading a lot and I was taking in a lot of information. 
and as I said, it was a few months ago, and I was like, what, why do I feel this way? And so I, I meditated longer that day. I was like, maybe it's just, I just need to meditate longer. It didn't work because the whole time I was so distracted. And the next few days I was distracted over and over and over again. And because I was so distracted, I couldn't focus on reading. So I stopped reading for a couple of days. I was like, let me just give myself a break. And after two or three days of not reading, like my brain had processed everything and it relaxed and I was able to meditate. And I went deeper than I'd ever gone before or in a while. And so I started reading into it. I started reading about how the brain works and how does it process information and why does do a lot of people kind of advocate the low information diet? Like, isn't it important for us to keep on taking information and learning, especially at the rate that the information is growing on the planet? Like we should be, right? But a lot of gurus, a lot of people, a lot of people in general will tell you not to do that to yourself. I think Timothy Ferris is a big pro- proponent of a low information diet, although he creates a lot of information for people to <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I do the same thing so I'm like oh so hypocritical but um but then I was like all right you know you, just, you need to stop you need to really if you're gonna if I'm gonna if I'm going to read a book I read a book and then I try to take a couple of days of like rest time before I kind of go on to the next one also I spend a lot of my time now reading non like fiction not non-fiction because in the in the past I never write I was like no I'm gonna write books or stories but I'm not gonna read them uh, but now I do a lot of reading for fun. Um, so I don't know if that was a good enough explanation. It's such a hard thing to explain. But anyways, it happened. My brain was telling me. My body was telling me. It was a lot of anxiety. It felt full. I could not get any more information into it. I was just so tired. Um, and so that's it. I was like, that, I'm not going to do that to myself anymore. Because what I was doing is that I was, whenever I'd be walking, I'd have, I'd have an audiobook on me. Or, you know, whenever I'd be sitting, I'd be getting ready for bed, I'd read a little bit of uh, something. Or whenever I'd get up in the morning, I'd read a little bit of like my book, whatever. So there was not even a moment of space in my time or my day for me to process the information. I was just in, 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 out. And how is my body or brain going to do it? Like, it's not possible. Well, I think we're, uh, we're all as a society, like, or um, I think we're all addicted to input like mm-hmm. stimulation constantly constantly just addicted now mm-hmm. so it, everyone's like it's just so afraid of the stillness yes yeah. the boredom it's ty- yeah it's a type of numbing because yes. i i realized that i do that if mm-hmm. i can't sleep at night um i'll listen to an audiobook often mm-hmm. and i've been trying not to and just to kind of be with my breath and stuff. But it's interesting how I just kind of reach for it. And like, I'm listening to Anna Karenina at the moment. And Nathan's Ooh. like, the Russian book. <laughs> Don't want to hear it anymore. Um, so I'm like, do you mind if I put on the Russians? Anyway, but. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but yeah. Um, but what's interesting. Yeah. It's that it's so um rare to hear for me anyway to hear someone recommend the low information diet I have actually haven't heard of the low information diet maybe I'm alone in this but is there um because you said you'd read a book about um um that kind of converted you to this can you remember what it's called oh I will look into it and I'll, if I can find it I'll get back to you it was about it was about it was a neuro it was a neuroscientist who wrote that book. So basically it was about the brain. I can't remember right now, but if I can do no, a little right. research, I will definitely get back to you guys for sure. That would be great. Also, it, I was it, curious. Yeah. Oh yeah, carry on. Oh, I'm just wondering if it was um, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan, just because that happens to be here. And it's a great book because I've also read that. Michael Pollan. I don't think it was Michael Pollan. You should read it, Shika. Oh yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, no, that was just me being like a drug pusher. Don't tell me that. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> okay, sorry, Zina. I, I interrupted. Sorry. No, no, no. Oh, also good. good to ask because when you were talking about the um, the specific yoga and meditation that you practice, uh-huh. um, what are they called? So we can put them down in the show. Notes. Yeah. So the practice, uh, the yoga practice that I do is a chakra based practice. So I go through the chakras and I do specific yoga asanas for the different chakras, the seven chakras that we have on the body. Mm-hmm. So I go from the root chakra all the way up to the crown chakra. I don't know if there's a specific name for it, but it's a chakra based practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, the meditation I do is a kind of transcendental meditation. So TM, which is yeah. pretty popular nowadays. And it's a mantra based meditation. So I listen, I speak a mantra in my head and I listen to the echo from the universe. Sounds very abstract, but that's the way it is. Um, I I just wanted to like uh, point out that most people don't have three hours for a a morning routine. Of course. Um, But yes, uh, you absolutely built your life around this. Like Mm -hmm. it keeps iterating and and Mm -hmm. you're moving towards more of what fulfills you. And Mm -hmm. so it's not like from zero to three hours. It's absolutely like just one step, like, Mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, the the, the breathing, the five Mm -hmm. breaths um, that, you know, that is uh, a step forward in terms of like just being more aware of your body. Absolutely. It totally, totally, totally. I mean, I started off by making my bed four years ago. That was my first morning routine. And I didn't do anything else. I just made my bed. That's a Tim Ferriss one as well, is it? Did you get it, that? It was, it was perpetuated by this military guy uh, first. And then he taught Tim Ferriss, I think, because I, I learned it from, it was a colonel. I don't know exactly his name or an admiral. But anyways, it was a, it was a, it was a military guy who was like, all right, talk about it. He has a book on it as well, I think, Make Your Bed. Um, but that was the first thing that I was like, all right, I'm not doing anything else with my life. My life is a complete mess. At least I can start with making my bed. Otherwise I would just sit in it all day long. And if I make my bed, I'm not going back into it. And if you see behind me, my bed bed is made and it's a rule for me. If I made my bed, I'm not going back into it until, um, evening time or like nighttime, because then it's very easy to be like, all right, I'm just going to sit in bed and do nothing. But if I'm going to do like, if I'm going to snuggle or if I'm going to nap, I usually try to nap on a couch because it kind of separates out it creates a separation between this is where I sleep at night and this is where I work um, or this is where I nap because that separation creates a space for you to sleep properly. And it, that separation is very necessary for your brain as well because it realizes, all right, once you get into bed, it's sleep time. I'm going to sleep for the next eight hours. If you do other things on your bed, it kind of creates this, that confusion in your mind where it's like, oh, are we sleeping right now? Are we napping? I don't know. Like, what are we doing right now? Kind of thing. So that's also like another thing that the brain book taught me anyways, which I can't remember the name of. So. That's a great tip. Yeah, I'm there like snacking and um, reading and doing all But you're all in a different things. situation right now. You're in like an Airbnb. Like this is obviously for like, yeah, where you're not living in the space where, yeah, where you I have that's, space to do I, That's a, a problem a lot of people are finding during this kind of lockdown yeah. um, time is how when you have a limited space like how to differentiate and um and frame spaces because it can your brain can get confused you're like are we supposed to be sleeping are we supposed to be what are we doing here um because we've been here all day so (laughs) we don't go anywhere else (laughs) so it's an (laughs) interesting time i don't know maybe that's just a comment i don't know um i know you have a, a lot I mean, yeah. do you have any tips for that? I don't know if this is... 
I mean, for me, I, I even with my room, like I was in quarantine for 14 days. So I well quarantined myself and I wasn't allowed to leave this particular room with the bathroom attached for 14 days. And so if you guys can see, I kind of asked my mom for a bunch of pillows. I don't know if they're over there. Yeah, I can see. Um, and I kind of created a space. So the yoga mat's on the bottom. And so I do yoga here. And then I create a space for me to sit. So if I'm going to sleep, if I'm going to nap during the day, I, I napped on the ground with the pillows. And then obviously this is my workspace. So I worked here. And then I'd walk back and forth and I'd do my walking in my room. So I had like a, a, a pacer and I kind of like pace myself back and forth. But I tried very much because it's really, because my mind already has these routines. and even if I move country from country to country, it has to go through those routines. Like I don't stop my routines. Even if I'm on the plane and my, my beeper goes off that I have to meditate, I'll meditate at that time. Or if it goes off, you know, like do this. And I even try the flight attendants to tell me like, can I have my meal at this time? Because again, I try to have my meals at a particular time. Now, obviously jet lag kind of creates issues, but you know, I try as much as possible to do it that way because your mind really loves routine and your body loves routine as well. And as soon as you switch in any shape or form, Try to keep certain things steady. At least if you can keep one or two things steady, it'll at least have something to rely upon. What happens with this is that you change everything. And we are like, all right, well, everything is changing. So why not? Why I don't care about anything. No, care about a few things. You know, make sure at least one or two things. Even my mom would give me food on the tray. and But I would ask her. I'd be like, all right, can I have food at 8 a.m., 12 and 6 p.m.? Even though I was jet lagged. I'd make sure I was awake at those times to eat because I wanted to make sure that my mind understood, my body understood that the timing doesn't change. And it's, it's a mind over body connection kind of thing, like a mind over body power thing as well, because a lot of times, yes, your mind has a lot of power and it can convince your body that, yeah, no, it's, 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 you know, you're fine. It's not, there's no jet lag or you're, you're okay. And so if you can just keep something steady, it does really help a lot. Like one or two things even will make a big difference, I think, from what I've learned. I think that's amazing advice because I've always struggled having traveled a lot. I um, am not, um, I mean, what, because you, you, we lived together in Mexico for yes. um, a few weeks. Two and, weeks, yeah. Yeah. And um, just, yeah, your routine, it was just like clockwork. Mm. I, and I was just like, I'm in a new place, new slate. Let's do everything. And, and I would get so stressed by it, you mm-hmm. know, and, 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 and I'd feel so much guilt around it. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, I'm in these amazing places. And mm-hmm. yeah, I feel really stressed out because mm-hmm. I was so in this kind of conflict zone where it was like, Oh yeah, I'm meant to be in a great place, but I'm also meant to be working and doing my own work and stuff. And, um, and yeah, and I can see now the more I've, I've kind of realized how much my body and and my mind we I love routine mm-hmm. how um just having that bit of like self-discipline which mm-hmm. it comes from self-love is actually mm-hmm. really really grounding and helpful for mm-hmm. um to keep you sane just one thing I want to add to it is that if you are able to give that your mind that space to be stable it removes a lot of anxiety from your mind. So when you're working, you're able to get your done work done faster. Sometimes I'll finish all my work by like noon. And so the rest of the day is for me to do whatever I want. So it means that you're finishing your stuff faster because you're able to concentrate more because there's no anxiety pulling your way or fear pulling your way. Not that I'm saying it's completely perfect, but it's much better than before. And so then you can get your work done faster. So you have more time, actually. You might think that a lot of these routines are actually taking time away from you. You're like, oh my God, I've spent time doing this. 
But if I don't do these, you know, the yoga and the meditation practice in the morning, my workday is much longer. I, I end up doing work till 5 p.m. sometimes because I'm like, oh, I didn't meditate. And maybe I'm blaming my meditation, but it literally feels like my, my brain is in a thousand places, not able to concentrate. But if I start off my day with a routine, I find that it just constant, it just concentrates better. I don't know how to explain it, but it really is like able to focus. And I can finish writing 3,000 words in a jiffy, like just like maybe half an hour, 45 minutes, maybe an hour, and I'm done. And then I have the rest of the day to play with. So that is also a big thing for people because we're like, people worry that more routine means less time. It actually doesn't. It means more time which is what I've discovered. That's an absolute brilliant point. Also, I that, that I was reflecting on the other day is actually when you're present, yeah. and focused, yeah. time seems to stretch. Yes. Or in, in, in a kind of, I mean, maybe it doesn't feel like it. When you're in a fearful, anxious state, like it's just, it just doesn't, um, time can fly by or whatever. Like there's something about when you are focused um the amount of stuff you get done it's just everything it's flow basically yeah, you know that absolutely. whole principle of flow and the time is is relative yeah so it, it's um it's a magical thing yeah, anyway <laughs> Janie no, was about absolutely. to say something no I, I'm I'm learning so much I'm so yeah. appreciative of uh, of you Shika it's it's really been um I, I'm serious I'm actually going to t- uh it's like You've inspired me to create a routine because actually I, I, I always thought that the ultimate um, success in life was mm-hmm. having freedom. Like I, I thought that like that was the biggest thing I was working towards to wake up with a blank canvas anytime I want, never set alarm and just have freedom throughout the day to do as I please at all times. Yeah. And um, so I've been doing that for quite a while now, a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but, but then there's something that's, um, there's something that's missing. Like, I, I feel this like void. I'm like, oh, I, I've, I've nailed it. Like, this is what am I, like, I, I'm living a dream come true. So mm-hmm. why doesn't it feel like a dream come true? Why mm-hmm. uh, don't I feel like um, productive or like, you know, just doing something important in the world? Um, this is, this is not it. I, I like, I have to keep going. And it, it turns out like all the signs are pointing towards self-discipline which is like you said a form of self-love yeah definitely and I I believe perhaps that insomnia has to do with that a little bit as well because I noticed that when I don't have a good routine during the day my night is completely restless and I notice my bed sheets are like all tangled up and like I just don't sleep well because my I feel maybe it's my brain and body is like well we don't know what we did today and we're not we don't feel secure and safe and grounded and so we're going to be anxious all through the night and so, I mean, I really do spend a lot of time thinking about this because as you guys know, like I'm always kind of watching myself to be like, all right, what experiments can I run on myself? Like, what can I do? What can I change in order to see what result am I going to get? Like, you know, I'm always trying to make sure. So anything I say is always tested on myself first. Like I'll never say something or I talk about something unless I've tested it on myself because it is important for me to know, okay, yeah, I, t- I tried this, it didn't work. All right, I'm not going to talk about it. And that's the same thing with my channel as well. If I've said anything about it, if I talk about it, I've used it. And if I've used it and it works, that's the only way I speak about it. And so all this stuff I've said in this video, uh, in this you know conversation and, and on my videos, it's all stuff that's tested and true for me. But if it's tested and true for me, I'm a pretty typical individual. So it probably would work for a lot of other people as well. And again, you've got to try it for yourself and see how it works. But Absolutely. I mean, I'm actually really <laughs> excited by that. Yeah. 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 Hopefully it works for you guys as well. And 
I mean, I love you guys. I love you both a lot. So, I mean, for me, like the main thing I always want is that, you know, I want you guys to, to succeed and grow and be, you know, powerful in the way that you're wanting to be, not obviously the way I see it. But if we can all just do that together, it's such, I think the world will absolutely change, especially if a lot of us, you know, our generation females, like kind of started moving away from this competitive nature of we want to be more like men and start really figuring out, okay, what do I want to be as them? I am and what is what am I bringing to the planet even if it's just I want to be uh, a housewife or I want to take care of children or I want to have a little garden or you know whatever it might be like it doesn't have to be a major epic thing but I think if we could just do that as females like we are we're kind of we're going to bring so much power onto the planet that the planet the mother earth needs right now at least I think So I really want to capture this for everyone that gets the pleasure of listening to this. Um, If you could give like just um, some tips on like how to overcome the fear of being judged Mm -hmm. and just keep on putting yourself out there. um, Like what would you, how would you surmise that? Yeah. So I think the main thing for me is that I have a very low opinion of people online um it's like literally my thing actually I have a low opinion of people in general not that I'm saying I have a high opinion of me but I just know that they're at the same level as me or lower or maybe a little bit higher than me maybe a little tiny little bit but that's it they're not high above in the sky and I'm here on the ground Michelle Obama said that one of the things that and if you guys haven't read her autobiography it's brilliant but one of the things she says is that you know when she was at a table with a lot of powerful men a lot of times she realized that she was actually the smartest one at the table. And a lot of them are, were not, even though because they were men, they were in the position of power. That's okay. But I'm paraphrasing right now, obviously. But she said a lot of brilliant things. But in general, that's the way I think, is that I am not the smartest person at the table, but I'm as smart as anyone at the table, whatever that table might be. In fact, a lot of times it ends up being true. And so I, the self-fulfilling prophecy, I guess. But in, in general, I've noticed that no one is smarter than me. They might be intellectually smarter. Maybe they have a higher IQ, but they're not smarter than me in all of the different aspects of things. And they're not better than me in any way, shape or form. I'm not worse than them. I'm not better than them. We're all the same. We're all the freaking same. And so whenever I put myself out there, I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm just talking to people who are the same level as me. So why would I be afraid? If they judge me, then I could learn from it maybe. If they judge me, probably it's coming from their insecurity. I always tell myself that. Oh, they're just insecure. Um, And so, you know, I kind of usually have these stories that I have in my head. Maybe I'm kind of making it up. But in a lot of cases, I feel no fear because who are the people judging you? Are they happy with their lives? Are they doing, are they living their ideal lives? Are they at the epitome or epitome of their own successful, powerful lives? No, they are living lives where they hate their job. They hate their wife. They hate their lives. They hate their commute, you know, they're living pathetic lives and they're on their ch- on your channel putting shit on it. So don't look at the shit, clear it out of the living room and go on, move on with your life, you know? So that's my theory. I'm like, well, if people are going to do it, then are they better than me? If Michelle Obama came to me and said, oh my God, you're terrible. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to sit up and listen. Tell me why. Yeah. If she has no real reason for it, then I'm not going to listen to her either. She has to have a real reason for it. So if people are going to criticize me, Tell me why. If people and people do all the time, and I always ask them, okay, so you don't like my channel? Why? Give me a particular reason, a real reason, and then I will improve upon it. But if you have no real reason, then I'm deleting your comment, and you're off. You're blocked. That's it. That's the end of you. 
And so I've blocked so many people in the past few months, actually, because people, because they're bored, you know, they're doing a lot of this trolling. But that's my thing. Like, I really do not consider people to be better than me or worse than me. Like, there's no, I don't need to feel judged by them because who are they to judge me? What are they doing with their lives? Show me your bank account. Show me your happiness level. Show me what you're doing with your life. Like, have you done anything good with it? If Timothy Ferris came to me and said something, maybe I'd be like, yeah, we're cool. You know, you are an authority on this or, you know, but normal random people, no, you have no right to say anything to me. I will not listen to you. You're not an authority in anything. In fact, probably you are in debt and not, you know, you should, I shouldn't listen to you. Sorry, I get a little angry about this. <laughs> no, I know, I love it. <laughs> it literally is the most important thing because I feel like many people pay attention to people's opinions of them when they have no right to say anything, anything about anything. Like people are taking advice from other people who have never been in a relationship. Why? Why are you taking advice from them about relationships? Or people are taking advice from other people who are in debt of thousands of dollars on money. Again, why? Like, how does that make any sense? I mean, what the hell? What is going on in your head? And like, and and I am guilty of that, darling. Like, I oh, yeah. have I um, I don't know, long-standing um, belief, deep belief that other people are more right than I am. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> in every sphere, it doesn't Seriously, matter. Every sphere? No, and I don't intellectually believe that. It's it's an emotional oh. reflex that I've noticed mm. in myself. That actually, um, which is why I'm so so fascinated by fear and 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 overcoming it in myself and other people overcoming it because you just talking about this now, um, you know, and how you frame it in 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 the only healthy way it can be framed, which is like unless you are an authority on this and you can give me a concrete reason as to what's objectionable here, Mm -hmm. then, then I'm not, I'm not absorbing this. Um, and, and actually it's the, it's, you know, the people like me who, um, who really feel, gosh, I just want to be liked by everybody. You know, there's Mm -hmm. that, that feeling of like, Oh, I just really want, and and actually putting something out on the internet, you know how much um, hatred there is out there and, and how much you could attract just by putting yourself out there. And that's terrifying. You can't, you know, it is, it is impossible to please everybody. So that often just silences people. And like you say, so it is, it is something, so, you know, uh, doing this podcast is very um, confronting for me to put something out there because of that fact that I know, I think, no, my coach Davey calls it the law of polarity, where if you're putting yourself um, in a, in a position where, pe- um, where to be found on you, to be, to be seen. found, yeah. to be seen, yeah. um, an equal amount of people will like you as dislike you. And that is just, it, it'll just happen mm-hmm. that way. So, um, so yeah, it just, I actually disagree with that. Uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, I'm, I'm interesting. I love this. Totally, no, great. Totally yeah, this is a conversation. Yeah. Literally, I would say 99% of the people who I've put my stuff out for love it and are engaged with it and want to be with part of it. Maybe 1% hates it. Like, literally, that's this is really the reason I wanted to maybe, maybe I should do a video about it because it's so important people realize this. So important. It's not 50 50. It is not, absolutely not. It's not true, actually. And a lot of people, what happens is that. If they say anything negative about me, all of my fans will pipe up and say, no, this, she's, she's, you know, she's great and you're wrong and, and get off this channel and you're an idiot and all that stuff. 
So it's 99% of the people are like on your side. And that's the reason why I think the people, and maybe this is something that we're taught. I don't know if it's society that tells you this so they can keep you in cages, but it's not true. Most people are going to be on your freaking side. Actually. But I think, impo- it. yeah, but I think importantly, um, it, it might be, um, but most people who don't like you won't comment. They'll just go, okay, I'm just going to go onto another channel. Yeah. yeah. Whereas it's the people who truly are triggered yes. <laughs> or whatever's going on for them by what yeah, you're exactly. saying that'll write some horrible comments and maybe yeah, exactly. that's quite a small percentage of, of very, okay so actually yeah. most people who write horrible comments write like silly comments like oh you're you're so fat or your face is so ugly or things like that because they really have nothing useful to say about you or yourself because also, also they're not critical thinkers or intelligent thinkers so i've noticed that a lot of the negative trollish comments are very they're like grade five level or like in the kindergarten level they're not like well-written trollish comments where they're like, all right, these are all the reasons why you're a terrible person and your channel sucks. And these are three points that I've put out in and three points against it and all that stuff. They don't do that. All they say is that you're fat or, oh, you're brown you sh- or you're Indian. You shouldn't be on, you shouldn't even have a channel or, you know, things like that. Because like, it's just so <laughs> horrendous. I know. But like, I mean, it's silly. Like you look at it and you're like, what? All right, fine. Block. <laughs> Um, and so there's no like there, there's no they don't there's no substance to those trollish comments. There's no substance to that negativity. Has nothing behind it. I can't even like take it seriously because I'm like, what are you even talking about? There's no substance there. This is exactly what Zita and I were talking about. Was it yesterday? Like um, we we're working through this again. Like we're doing this podcast to answer mm-hmm. this huge question. Like how do we overcome fear? Yeah. And, and it's such an important um, question to like work together on and support each other on because it's mm-hmm. what a fear that cripples us from creating, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we were just talking about like how um, if somebody says something like that to me, like, oh, you're Asian and you're ugly, then I'm like, oh, it's the same as them saying like you're a blue alien from yeah. Mars. And I'm like, okay, I guess you're, you know, you're just, you know, you're not seeing me and you're just mm-hmm. like, it, it's like that. so off. Uh, yeah, it's just so off base that I, it doesn't even register as like, right. oh, uh, you must be blind or you might, you know what I mean? I don't understand, but you know, yeah. move on. Like, I guess we just are not living in the same reality. So, it, it, and that's um, like, that's the thing about uh, the way that we process things like that. It just, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't even register. It doesn't even ruin your day or like make, yeah. it makes you laugh. In fact, right. I hope. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, as I said, a lot of people will kind of pipe up and, 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 and protect me and stand up for me, which is really nice. Um, but a lot of times, like if I see even a little bit of hint of negativity, racism, homophobic, homophobia, or any kind of Trump supporting or Jesus Christ, like is the only savior kind of thing, like all of that stuff, I just delete it and block it right away. Cause I, I don't want that kind of stuff. Any kind of like one minded, narrow minded thinking where they're going to be like, this is the only path and no other path exists. As soon as that happens, I'm like, you're deleted, you're off. Even if it's a person who's been following me for a long time. And I'll usually be like, all right, you have been following me for a while, but you are starting to become a little bit annoying. You know, I'm deleting you and blocking you. So why? Why? Like, you know, I think I already said this, Elizabeth Gilbert or someone said this or Brené Brown, you know, if someone shits in your living room, you don't keep it there and and frame it and put like a a glass case around it. You know, you don't do that. You, You take it out, you clean it up and throw it out. I mean, come on. Like, this is exactly the same thing. If someone puts a negative comment on your channel or anything around you, even Facebook or wherever, people call me all sorts of names. Like you have 
like half of the things you haven't even heard of I'm like wow this is a new way of calling a person but you know like you take the shit out and you throw it away you're not going to keep it there and frame it and talk about it in your head or uh, think about it or all that it's gone it's done with don't let it take over your your mind even you know it's not important you have other things to do and the world to take over so <laughs> Yeah, I love it because and and often what does stop people is the fear itself. The actual reality of it is less frightening. Oh my god, yes, so much less. So yeah, it's it's that's the reason you really have to do these things in order to know about it. Like playing the ukulele, you can't just like read about it. You have to play it to be like, oh my god, it really hurts, or that you you know your fingers really hurt after a while. But like you wouldn't know that you can't read about it. And be like, all right, yeah. So like I think a lot of this is about the more you put yourself out there the more you realize, oh, it doesn't really actually matter because now I can just do it without even thinking twice about it. But it took me four years to get here, right? So now I have no fear. Well, I shouldn't say no fear, but very little fear with regards to it. Um, and so I, I'm grateful. But again, ha- I had to go through that. Although I don't know if in the beginning anyone knew really cared about my stuff. So even that's also a thing. Like no one's going to watch you in the beginning anyways. So just put yourself out there. It's fine. Well, like your beginning was quite the, the ramp up. Wasn't it though? Like you kept on putting content out there. Yeah, I mean, because I, I promised myself I would put a new video every single day. That was my challenge for myself. Um, and so at first I only had maybe, like I said, zero or 10 views or five views, whatever. But my promise to myself was I'm putting out a video a day. It doesn't matter who sees it. It was for me. And my voice, like I wanted my voice to be heard. I had a desire of it. Like I wanted it so badly that I I couldn't live without it anymore. And so I was doing it for myself. If someone listened, it's fine. If they didn't, it doesn't matter. They did, and then they commented a lot and things like that. So it did get popular, but it was for me only and for my mission. And so it it was done. But so you said you promised yourself to put a video uh, a day for like what, 30 day challenge or? As long as possible. As long as I have a voice. It's kind of weird. I read this thing about, uh, I read this radio announcers thing and that's, uh, maybe that was around the time where it triggered it. I don't know. This radio announcer, Jamie Dupree, he lost his voice. He used to be a radio announcer. He lost his voice. He couldn't speak anymore. And he started writing. And one of the main things he says was that you don't know when you're going to lose whatever it is that you have. So you got to keep on going at it as hard as you can, as fast as you can. And I was like, what if I lost my voice tomorrow? What if I lost my mind tomorrow and I couldn't do this anymore? So I wanted to put out as much content out as possible before I died or before I lost my voice or before I lost my mind or before I became senile or whatever it was, you know? So like now my thing is that, like put out as much content as possible because you might die tomorrow. And then if you're dead, you're not going to be able to do anything anyways. So just do it right now. And does that, is that something you have to keep on reminding yourself of every day or is it something that just is in the background? Uh, I used to remind myself of it because I mean, I mean, I remind myself of it when I'm like, it, the, the going gets tough and I'm like, do I really need to be doing this anymore? I mean, come on. Especially when sometimes the ad, ad revenues go down and I'm not making any money from my YouTube channel. And I'm like, I put a lot of effort into this. Why am I doing this? Or things like that. So when it's like that, then I'm like, all right, why are you doing this? Come back to the why. I think you guys probably always do that as well. You know, come back to the, why why did you start doing this? Why are you doing it still? And so there's a lot of whys for me now. I used to only have one why is that I had a voice and I wanted to share it. But now I have my, my people, my peeps, the people who watch me, you know, the boomies, they call themselves. And like, they, they want to, I know it's kind of like the boomies. Oh my God. That is so awesome. Oh my God, we're boomies too. <laughs> we are, obviously, we're huge boomies. 
Ay, it's so funny. Yeah, so, so yeah, so the but the boomies are like, you know, if they if I don't do a video one day, it's by mistake, it doesn't go through. Like they actually message me, like hundreds of them will message me, like, are you all right? Do you did something happen to you? You know, are you okay? Are you traveling? Like, make sure you tell us you're okay. And so it's kind of like a thing where like a lot of them they say that they they listen to my video and they need it for their sanity and they feel good about it. And it's like that special especially right now, it's that special positive spark in their day without which they feel like the whole day is going to shit or like this is not like, there's a lot of negativity and this is the only positivity that they have in their lives. So they want to make sure they listen to it before they start their day. That's another why for me. And then all those messages I get from younger INFJs who say that, you know, it changed their life. They love themselves now. Like that's another why. So I always go back to the whys. And as soon as I do, I know it's absolutely clear that I I want to do this, you know? So... I think it's, it's so important to, to know and why are you doing this? Like, what's the purpose? Like, are you doing it? What is your reason for it? Really? Like, I think it's so important to know the reason and to start with that because you can always come back to it. That's so powerful. Mm-hmm. I think it's really Another really wisdom, important. another boomy wisdom bomb. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the boom bombs just keep on coming. <laughs> you guys. Um, oh, you, you got to use that and have like a, like a, a like a grenade or something going off. <laughs> Oh, you're terrible. I love it. You gotta start your videos with that. Today's boom bomb. <laughs> I'm serious. I love it. I would tune in for a boom bomb every day. Breakfast with boom bomb. Oh my god. <laughs> I love it. I, I might use it. Oh, it's great. Oh my goodness. All right. It was okay. so much fun talking to you guys. I love you. I know. Love this. Thank you for staying on for so long. Thank you so much for listening to Living Off Course. For links to any resources, books, etc. that we mentioned in the show, please check out the show notes on our website, livingoffcourse.com. And to stay up to date with our latest episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcasting platforms. Thank you so much again, and we look forward to seeing you next week.